Jesse Kelly show. Let's have some fun. And it is going to be a bit of a roller coaster of a show tonight. We have Mark Meadows, Trump's chief of staff. Yes, that Mark Meadows. He's coming on about an hour and a half from now. Do you remember last night when I was telling a story about something? I don't remember. It was something terrible that happened to me. So I know everybody, everybody loves that. And Chris brought up the hammock story. And I promised you that I would tell you that story tonight. I'm going to tell you the hammock story an hour and 45 minutes from this moment right now. It involves uh, cobras and blood and just just you're going to want to be here for the hammock story about an hour and 45 minutes. So now we have Joe Biden, Ilhan Omar, great emails tonight. I will take some fo- some phone calls for at least a little while tonight until those upset me. We have a ton going on on the Jesse Kelly show. But I wanted to begin with something that couldn't possibly be more off topic. I do that from time to time. And it's not really complicated. It's not some advanced reason why I do that. I do it. I do that because I lack focus. I don't always care about the things everyone else cares about. Oftentimes, I look at things and I just look at them differently. Not better, obviously. I just look at them differently. I mean, I have stories in front of me from Loudoun County. That school board will talk about that. The gender equity thing, the unvaccinated stuff. All this stuff is coming, but. I wanted to bring something up, offense, and what it looks like, and why they've done it better than us, but we can learn and make changes. Remember when we talked about Ron DeSantis yesterday, governor of Florida, and he's trying to get a bill passed to give out-of-state police officers a $5,000 bonus if they move to Florida. It's a brilliant move for a million rules. For a million reasons, it's a brilliant move. Uh, Let's get Ron DeSantis to pass this bill, then we'll get more cops. And not only will we get more cops, we'll get cops who don't want to live under tyranny. So they'll almost undoubtedly be red cops. While at the same time, we'll tick off the communists so bad, they'll continue to flee Florida. Florida ends up redder and safer. It's a win for everybody. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Let me tell you something else that's brilliant. And Barack Obama did it. And I hold on, hold on. Don't get mad at me. Barack Obama did it, and we need to learn because we already have our eyes, don't lie, I know you do too, on 2024 and taking back the White House. You don't have to feel like a bad person about that either. The second you lose the White House, you think about taking it back. You want the top job. They're the same way. That's fine. We have our eyes on 2024. And everybody has their guy. Look, most of the audience at this point in time, well, most people on the right are narrowed down to Trump or DeSantis. Trump or DeSantis. In fact, I even have an email here. I'm going to get back to Obama in a second, but I want to address this email. Dear Blue Steel, Master of the Grill, Dr. Jesse, I understand your thoughts on why DeSantis and Trump would not make a good team. Just hold on before I continue with this. Remember, a lot of people on the right are going to make a mistake. I've seen this a lot. Doesn't mean you're stupid. I'm just telling you it's a mistake. I've seen a lot of people say because they love both of them. They love Trump. They love Heavy D. I've seen a lot of Trump DeSantis 2024. DeSantis could be his VP. I'm telling you, I've been around a lot of these 
it's it's an overused word, but alpha male types in my life. It's really, really, really difficult to have two of them in the same room at the same time. Donald Trump is not a man who's going to play second fiddle to anybody. I don't know that Heavy D is going to play second fiddle to Donald Trump either. You know, the sum, but what does what that saying goes? The sum is greater, or the, the, the sum is greater than the total of the two parts. I totally messed that saying up. What, Chris? It's not like it's national radio. <laughs> it's, it's something like that. Shut up, Chris. Could you look it up so we could get it right and then I'll act like I came up with it? What? Whole is greater than the sum of its parts. I knew I'd under, I knew I'd figure it out eventually. It just came to me just now. <laughs> the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Well, there are instances where the whole is significantly less than the sum of its parts. Everything doesn't mix well all the time. It just doesn't. If you look, sports teams are a good example of this. If you were to take the best sports team you love out there, probably football right now since football season, season, take the football team you love. Take them at the end of the year when they've been playing together all year. And then that team will go up against an all-star team with the best player from each and every other team. The all-star team would get slaughtered, slaughtered by the other football team because they play together and work together. Everybody doesn't always work together. That's why I don't want them to be together. Anyway, moving on. Which one do you think would be able to accomplish more? I personally really like Trump and thought he did a great job. The problem was I saw he had pushback from all sides. Do you think it will be the same regardless of the president? Okay, now here's here's the accomplish more part and, and pushback from all sides. This is where I'm going with this story. This is why I brought this up. Do you think the next guy will have pushback from all sides? If the next guy does not have pushback from everywhere that's even greater than the pushback Donald Trump has, then the next guy is useless and no threat to the left and shouldn't be elected. Right now, the communist owns every single cultural pillar except for a few of the states. The reason they reacted so violently to Donald Trump was he was such a shock to the system and such a outside-the-box thing that should have never happened. They were so close to achieving their goal, and then there's Trump. And that's why they just threw out all the rules to get rid of him. They're going to react twice as bad to the next guy. It has nothing to do, nothing to do with who that guy is. Whether it's Donald Trump or whether it's Ron DeSantis or whoever it is, If the next guy threatens the status quo, threatens the system in the same way Donald Trump was viewed as a threat towards it, they are going to react in ways you've never seen. They impeach Donald Trump twice. They'll impeach the next guy every other month. You think I'm lying? I'm not lying. They will. These people don't back away. They don't find a way to back off. So what's this have to do with Obama? I saw this story today from uh, Business Insider. Obama's military coup, this is from 2013, Obama's military coup purges 197 officers in five years. In five years. The United States of America, Donald Trump, he walked into office and he didn't do what Republicans do. 
Republicans walk into office and say, oh, I'd love to fire that guy. Oh, gosh, the media, though, the pushback. I couldn't deal with the pushback. There's going to be too much media pushback. I can't do it. Look, I'm not ripping on the guy, but I just had uh, my friend Daryl Scott, Pastor Daryl Scott. He's a hardcore Trump supporter. We were talking about Trump the other day. And I asked him, we were just having a conversation. I asked him, what about this Fauci stuff, man? How did he not get rid of Fauci? And Pastor's response to me was, hey, he would have got too much pushback. The communists never consider the pushback. Barack Obama walked into office, and in five years, he had purged 197 officers from the U.S. military. The reason you have a U.S. military now that is full of complete rotted filth The reason you have generals and admirals who care about someone's gender or skin color and everything under the sun except for winning battles is because of what Barack Obama did when he took office. Now, you ask me about the next guy, Trump, DeSantis, whoever it is, if it is Donald Trump, he better storm back into that White House day one and immediately begin a purge that would make this Obama purge look soft and pathetic in comparison. The next Republican, if Obama purged 197 officers, the next Republican should purge 500 officers and then turn his sights to the IRS and the FBI and the CIA. The next Republican, the pushback they better get should be absolute anarchy. The media, the Democrats, half the Republicans, if they aren't screaming how the next Republican, Trump, DeSantis, whoever, if they aren't screaming that the next Republican is the Antichrist, then the next Republican is useless. Completely useless. That's a fact. I wanted to address it. That is a fact. We're worried about the pushback. And it's, I understand that because pushback isn't easy to take, but here's something about the pushback you're going to have to accept. I'll explain what I mean in just a second. There is something you have to accept it. But first, I did want to bring this up to you. Did you hear what Janet Yellen already said? <laughs> We've been playing the audio, but I, I, I heard her again say today, oh, inflation? Oh, we, we already know this is, not, this is not temporary. This is going to go at least through next year. That's the value of everything you own, all your dollars going down by the day, every single day. When I tell you to go buy gold from Oxford Gold Group, that's why I'm telling you it. I don't trust this government. I don't trust these politicians. And look, maybe, maybe you do. Actually, you know what? Maybe Oxford Gold Group isn't right for you. If you trust Janet Yellen to handle the economy and handle money, if you trust Joe Biden, then don't buy any gold. I don't trust them at all. I'm buying gold from Oxford Gold Group, and they deliver gold to my front door. It's not a piece of paper saying I have some. They send me real gold. Call 833-995-GOLD and tell them Jesse told you to call. They'll take extra care of you. 833-995-GOLD. Oxford Gold Group. Jesse Kelly returns next. the jesse kelly show and yeah it's gonna be a great night tonight the hammock story coming an hour and a half from now mark meadows on the show but 
we were talking about Obama purging 197 officers back in 2013, and I, it made me reference an email. Guy was worried about the pushback. Who gets more pushback? What if it's Trump? What if it's DeSantis? What if it's Cruz? Here's, it's a hard truth, but it is the truth. And there, uh, some people are going to love to hear this. And for some people, it's going to be tough to hear. But it is the truth. You have, you have to learn. You have to learn. And you can learn this. Don't think you can't. You have to learn how to fall in love with their anger, with their pushback. And that is, that's easier for somebody like me because I don't have thoughts or feelings or anything like that. I'm a sociopath, so I can do that. That's why I, may, I drive the left insane. They, they have no idea how to deal with me because they can't get to me. There's nothing you could say to me that would offend me. It drives them insane. But most people are good people. So they have feelings. And when they get pushback, like last time, I mean, think about what it was like for Trump last time. When they get pushback, when you get that kind of rage every single day, and it's crazy, these people are nuts, and they're screaming, and there's violence, it makes people uncomfortable. People don't like living in that environment. But these people, these are horrible, evil human beings. And I don't have another way to put this to you. If they don't hate you, you're useless. If they don't push back against you, you are completely useless. So find a way to learn how to enjoy it. Learn how to enjoy them hating you. I woke up today and some loser on MSNBC tried to, uh, what did he say something to me about being a a racist or something? I'd called someone a communist and he mentioned uh, he's a racist. And the normal response from a good person on the right, I'm not saying everyone who did this was bad, the normal response would have been a racist. I am not. That is not fair. I, uh, I look, look. Here's my friend Mark. He's black, and uh, and I've, I've, I'm a supporter of black people. And why are you defending yourself against loser communists? You don't defend yourself to them. You don't let them decide what the argument is going to be. You press on, and when they complain, you keep pressing, and you keep pressing, and. Do it with a smile on your face. A smile on your face because you're right. You're in the right. They're trying to wreck this place. Listen, I want you to listen to this person. This is Ilhan Omar. This is a congresswoman. Everybody knows her from Minneapolis. This is one of the ones who was out there. She was at the forefront last year of defund the police and defund the police and defund the police. And now Minneapolis, which used to be such a sweet city, by the way, Minneapolis was so underrated. Now they are drowning in murder and and car theft and violent crime. Drowning in it. Listen to this person. We must also recognize is that the reduction in policing currently in our city and the lawlessness that is happening is due to two things. One, the police have chosen to not fulfill their oath of office. And to provide. I didn't edit that. On my life, Chris, did you edit that? Did anyone edit? Nobody edited that. The communist stood up last year while Minneapolis was burning to ash. It looked like a war zone parts of that city last year. And that loser, she stood up and was on the front lines 
of defunding the police this and police are racist that. And now, without missing a beat, without missing a beat, stands up in front of a city that's being ravaged by violent crime and says police officers, they're not fulfilling their oath of office. Now, you can get mad about that, and that's fine. That's fine, whatever. But you have to understand, if that person isn't pushing back against you with all of your uh, with all of her might then that tells you all you need to know about how useful you are it tells you all you need to know you ever see any of these let me get, give you a good example you ever see any of these i'm using the air fingers quote thing even though it's radio republicans on the super left wing news networks like cnn msnbc They drag out some lifelong Republican or Republican consultant or Republican who worked for Bush because which loser Republican didn't work for Bush? You know what I mean? This Republican there. And and they always put him on this panel full of a bunch of communists. And you notice he gets yelled at for sure, but it's never that bad. It's just all kind of cordial. I mean, let's all just get together and realize Republicans suck, right? I mean, he, he thinks they suck a little less than we suck, but... And then have you ever seen... Those hags on The View have an actual person on the right come on their show. Have you seen how they treat that person? They treat that person, and you can tell by the look on their face, they they have the same regard for that person that you have for the gigantic fresh pile of dog crap you stepped in that morning. That's how they look at that person. If they're not looking at our next Republican president that way, then our next Republican president is useless. The next Republican president, I don't care if it's Trump, DeSantis, whoever it is, if they don't walk into office and begin purging the communist filth from every branch of the federal bureaucracy, because that's what's killing us right now, if they don't walk in and begin the purge day one, that Republican is useless. If the next Republican president has not been impeached or at least an attempted impeachment within the first year That Republican is useless, completely useless. And no, I don't wave anybody's pom-poms. If that's heavy D, I'll be right here behind the microphone telling you, I told you so. If that's Trump, I'll say the same thing. No more. Well, the media is going to push back. Well, the Republicans will be mad. Oh, but Democrats will be super mad at me. Now's the time to make all those people mad. If Hollywood isn't putting out stupid little Instagram videos about how you're the Antichrist, you're useless. And we, that goes for you, it goes for me, it goes for Chris, everybody. We had better get comfortable with vile pushback because that is now the name of the game. You saw all that ramp up during the Trump era of all that nastiness. That doesn't go back the other way. You don't put that genie back in the bottle, huh? Keep that in mind. All right. Let's talk about mandates. Well, in me. Hang on. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, Chris. I don't think I don't think we need uh, songs like that on this show. I thought he was going to say it. I'd about freaked out here. Good grief. Anyway, look, let's let's focus on something important here. I want to get to I'm going to get to this uh this news story that was breaking on Tucker last night, but 
I have all these emails from people from all across the country worried about coronavirus vaccine requirements for children, not just for their work, for children. I mean, I have, gosh, I have a hundred of them from New York. That's just from yesterday. But it's just something I'm getting from across the country. And I just want to remind everybody that on the 21st of August, on the 21st of August, not August, I'm an idiot. On the 21st of October, I came on the radio, and this is what I said to you. This is just a few days ago. Remember when I said this? Woohoo, we got 75% of the adults except, oh, no, now they're vaccinated. What, what do we do now? Not much we can do. Oh, but wait. Look at all those kids out there. Look at all those kids out there. Look at all those parents who are scared for their kids. I know you still see them. You see the young mom with her four kids, all of them have masks on. You think that young mom's just waiting with bated breath for the new child vaccine to come out? And then I saw we're about to have officially approved vaccines for 5 to 11-year-olds. So what am I telling you? Where am I going with all this? If you live in a blue state, I want you to be ready. You're about to have mandated vaccines for your children or they're not going to let them attend school. I mean, every blue place is about to mandate this or your child is not going to be allowed to attend school. It's coming. I see it as clear as day. I want you to know it's coming and I want you to prepare yourself. Headline out today. Today, Moderna says COVID booster, like the flu, quote, vaccine, could be yearly. When I told you a few days ago there was going to be a mandate for your kids to attend school, I told you that for a reason, because I understand the game that's being played here now. And you don't have to listen to this. Listen to me. You don't have to be a coronavirus denier. You know, it doesn't exist. Uh, it's just a, a fake thing. I, look, maybe you think that, but I don't think that. But you don't have to be that to realize, man, did this turn into being about profit really, 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 really quickly. And then you have to realize this. Blue places. New York City, for example. New York City is a great example. Blue places. They have no incentive right now to stop forcing you to take things. Why would they have any? Why? Would, why? I just saw the latest poll. Speaking of New York city, Eric Adams, the guy running for mayor, he's up 40 points uh, over Curtis Lewa. Now, even if you don't believe that he's going to win. So what's the incentive? When I've been telling people in red states or in blue states to move to red states, move to red areas, I haven't just been telling people that because of the current state of the blue states and blue areas. I've been telling people that because you don't have any idea how bad it's going to get. And I know it's going to get that bad because these scumbag communists 
have been given zero incentive, zero, to stop abusing people. There's a new Project Veritas video out right now. I'm not, I was going to play it for you on the show, but there's a lot of uh, uh, Spanish in it and whatnot, and I realize most people don't habla. Like, what, Chris? I took a class. Anyway, but I, in all seriousness, I realize a lot of people don't speak Spanish. But it, what it is, it's an undercover video. Project Veritas got it. Phil Murphy, you know, about to be governor of, of New Jersey. Oh, he's he's going to start handing out these mandates too. Kids, workers, everything. He's waiting. They got caught on video. His staff got caught on video saying he's waiting till after the election so he doesn't lose independence. These people are never going to stop because they're never going to be given an incentive to stop. Ever. This never stops. And so, yes, the next thing will be mandated vaccine or your child can't attend school. Your child can't come play little league. Your child can't go attend his Cub Scouts meeting. Your child and I'm telling you this is coming. This is coming. But the next step after that every year. Every single year. You and everybody in your family, if you want to participate in your blue society, you are going to have to go get your shot every single year. And what drives me crazy is that all the great people who live in blue areas, all of them, and pick your blue area. I mean, we were talking about New York, but California, anywhere, all the great people who live in these blue areas, they have no recourse, none. You have any idea how many phone calls and emails I get from people stuck in these deep blue places, and they just sound desperate and hopeless that's part of the reason I've been encouraging everyone to move because I don't want to, and I don't want to bring you down, but it is desperate and hopeless. In some of these places, it is. If you want to live under the values you you take a priority on, then it is hopeless. They're never going to stop punishing you because there's no incentive for them to ever stop punishing you. Bill de Blasio just recently took away the outside propane heaters in New York for restaurants, restaurants who are desperate, desperate for customers. They're never going to stop abusing you. Get out. Get out. You know where there are no vaccine mandates? I mean, maybe some private businesses have them, but we're in the process of banning those too. You know where there are no uh, vaccine mandates? Texas. You're not going to have any mandates here. Depending on the school district, well, not depending on the school district, actually, flat out, your child's never going to be forced to take a vaccine here, ever. They don't defund the police here in Texas. In fact, even during the middle of all that insane blame the police nonsense, Houston isn't exactly some blood red city. It's a blue place, very, very blue. Even then, the chief of police of Houston said, hey, cops, you're not feeling wanted where you are. Come on down to Houston. We could use you here. I have lived everywhere. We lived in 10 houses in 10 years one time when I was a kid. All across this country, I've lived there. And when I tell you, especially when you get older, life is better in a place that shares your values. Take my word on this. Life is better in a place that shares your values. Come on. Come on down.
Come on down. Look, it doesn't have to be here. It doesn't have to be by me, although I have no doubt everyone wants. What, Chris? I have no doubt everyone wants to move by me. Go to Alabama. Go to Wyoming. Go to Florida. Go. I don't care where you go, but get out. It does not get better from here in the blue areas. It doesn't. Now, there's a good side of that. Because the red areas are getting redder, because of the people that are moving to them, they are getting redder. I mean, you watch this next election. Florida is going to be blood red. Blood red because of what they're doing. The red areas are getting even better. So not only is it worse in the blue areas right now, the red areas are getting even better than they were before. Go find a place you can call home. Go find a place where your kids don't have to walk around with a stupid face shield on. Go find a place where they don't defund the police and take 65% of your income. Go. Go. And you know, that's not me being anti-city. I love the cities. Love the cities. Love them. The communists have ruined them like they ruin everything else. I mean, this crime? People shot every day. When I tell you to go buy a hero gun, look, you don't have to take it from me. Go read the news. Go read the headlines. Hero has a non-lethal gun out there. It shoots these pepper balls 100 miles an hour. When they nail somebody, they explode in their face in this brutal chemical pepper irritant. I mean, it, it, you honestly, you want to take your eyeballs and just rip them out of your head. It's that effective. It's a laser sight on it. You don't have to worry about learning how to use it. It saves lives. Get one for yourself and your spouse. Go and get some spare cartridges, too. Go to Hero2020.com and use the code JESSE for a special discount. That's Hero2020.com, code JESSE. State restrictions apply. The Jesse Kelly Show. It's still real to me, damn it. Returns next. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, and have you ever had Cobra blood? Have you ever drank Cobra blood? Oh, oh, that's part of the hammock story. Don't worry, the hammock story is coming up one hour from now. You're just going to have to buckle up for that. (laughs) We've got Mark Meadows coming up about 45 minutes from now. As you know, as I've explained before, I'm an obnoxious human being, and we all have certain specialties in life. We have things we're good at. And we have things we're bad at. It's, it's just human nature. I, you, Look, you know what my specialties are at this point in time. You know what I'm great at. You listen to the show. I'm one of the top five nappers in the world. I might be the best in the world. Don't roll your eyes, Chris. I'm, I might be the best in the world. When I lay down a nap, right now, you know what? Right now, I don't even need any prep work. I just finished a cup of coffee 30 minutes ago. If the show went down and everything went to crap and they said, oh, we'll get you back on in an hour, I would go go to sleep in 10 minutes. And I would sleep until the show started and wake up. I'm just, I'm, I'm amazing at napping. I am a menu whisperer. I'm the greatest menu orderer on the face of the planet. When I sit down in a restaurant, doesn't matter if I've been there before or not, I can just look at a menu and like Mozart or Picasso. What, Chris? The, the, the menu just makes sense to me. I can decipher what to do, what not to do. And people ask me, Jesse, can you teach me these skills? These are gifts from God, okay? He didn't give everybody the menu whispering skill. 
I'm really good at annoying people. I'm really good at annoying people. And I understand you can say, well, that's not a very good skill. And I realize that's probably true. But look, it's the little things in life. Uh, the, uh, the boys and I, the wife and I took the boys to a farmer's market this last weekend. The wife likes to go and get all these micro greens. I don't even know what those are. But we come home with a bunch of green stuff. Well, on top of the farmer's market, there's all these little homemade desserts. And there's this black woman there who sells pies. And she's just like the sweetest human being on the face of the planet. And she knows me by now, and I know her. And, and they are the best pies in the world. Gosh, I wish I could rem- I'll get the name next Sunday. I'll actually give her a free plug right here on the show. And I mean the best pies in the world. And she's this wonderful human being. Oh, hi, you again. You know, that kind of thing. Just the sweetest lady. And she just gives me samples of everything and my boys' samples of everything. Well, they are the best pies ever. So the boys and I, we went, walked up to her truck. Obviously, she had this food truck there, and we all bought three pies, and we took the three pies home this last Sunday. Well, you only get a slice of pie. You know, we're not buying three whole pies for Pete's sake. We're not a bunch of fatties around here, but we, just, we each got a slice of pie. Yesterday before I leave for work, <laughs> I told the wife, because the boys still had their slice of pie untouched on the counter. They were going to have it for dinner that night. I told the wife to make sure she reminded me to take a bite out of each of the boys' pie before I left for work. (laughs) See, that's not right. You shouldn't do that as a person. I know I shouldn't do that, but who else can think like that? I'm really good at that stuff, which brings me to what I'm going to do when I'm done with the show tonight. (laughs) The Astros, the Houston Astros, that's obviously the baseball team here in town, they made the World Series. Well, you know I don't watch professional sports anymore. And if I did watch one, it would probably be baseball because they didn't go in with all that Black Lives Matter filth. But I don't watch baseball either because I guess they kind of flirted with it. I wasn't paying attention. I just kind of wrote them all off. I wrote everybody off. Well, the Astros made the World Series. Now, I work, what are we, 15 minutes from the stadium, Chris? 15, 20 minutes from the, from the uh, Minute Maid Park. And I haven't been to a game all year. And I haven't watched a game on television all year. But my buddy had an extra ticket for tonight's game. So I'm going to the game, a World Series game. And I'm just going to go all in and act like I'm this lifelong fan. And I'm going to have all this Astros gear. I'm going to, if I can find it, I'm going to get a big Astros beer helmet on it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my face painted. You think I'm lying, Chris? I'll have something out there with face paint on Go Strohs, baby! <laughs> and if they actually win the title, I'm going to tell everyone, we did it! Never doubted us for a second. Never doubted us for a second. I knew we could pull through, boys. It was a team effort. Good job. Why? I think it's funny. I don't know why I think it's funny, but I do. Chris, they just approved, the FDA just approved 17-0. to zero. They just approved... A vaccine for kids, kids, children, you know, the children who aren't at any risk for coronavirus. And this is the vaccine they're going to force your kids to take if you're in a blue state or they won't be allowed to go to school. And I just want you don't take this from me. I want you to hear from the FDA official what they had to say about it. But we're never going to learn about how safe the vaccine is unless we start giving it. Um, that's just the way it goes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, Chris, maybe I was getting some feedback on my end. Could you do me a favor and just just play that one more time? Because I would have sworn he said, we're not going to know how effective it is until we start giving it to them. Would you play that, please? 
but we're never going to learn about how safe the vaccine is unless we start giving it. Um, that's just the way it goes. We're about to force millions of children in the United States of America to take a vaccine for a disease that poses virtually no threat to them. Remember, infinitely more kids die from the flu every year than have died from COVID. We're about to force children across America to take a vaccine for a disease that doesn't threat them, and we have no earthly idea if this thing is safe for them or not. In fact, we have plenty of stories out there showing it just might not be, especially for the boys. Now, we're about to have a very difficult conversation, you and I. And look, of all the hard talks we've had on the show, you know how direct we get? It's just just you and me talking. You know how direct we get? We're about to have a very hard conversation. And I'm going to ask the question before we go to break, and then I'll give you my thoughts, and I'll take your phone calls on it. 877-377-4373. My question to you is this. Are we a good country? 877-377-4373. Not what we were. Not what we're supposed to be. I'm talking about America 2021. Are we a good country? I want you to think about it. I want you to think hard about it. 877-377-4373. Hang on. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Half hour from now, we got Mark Meadows coming up. Trump Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. And then right after Mark is done, you get to do what you sick freaks love to do, and that's laugh at my pain and misery. I have no idea why the people who listen to this show enjoy it when I'm such a good person, Chris. But apparently they do, and I have a story to tell you about a hammock about 45 minutes from now. And we're going to, by the way, just clarification. I understand you're on the phone. I understand you're on hold. The phone lines blew up because I asked the question, are we a good country? I understand you're probably having trouble getting through and hearing things right now. There's a little phone snafu. Just don't hang up. They're going to get to you in a second. The, the, all the fancy tech guys, Chris, are working with gigahertz and stuff. What? They are. I know. I know my way around to the, the zip drives. So that's what they're working on. <laughs> drives Chris crazy. I love it. Hey, billionaire Jesse. He said, you never made that one of your nicknames, but I now have made it so. Chris, why why billionaire Jesse? Where'd that come from? I mean, look, not that I'm complaining. We all know you wouldn't complain. But I, did I say something about that? Is this because I want to build my own castle? Yeah, that's probably it. Anyway. <clears throat> The treatment of the unvaccinated by the Biden administration is often compared to the Holocaust. I don't think that it is, that is so. To me, or what, let me clarify something. I have a rule on the show, and I've brought up historical atrocities a million different times, and I always will because history just plays a big, big part in who we are and what we're doing. But listen, I don't compare things to the Holocaust. And when you dig into that, 
And I mean, more than the surface level stuff, everyone knows the surface level stuff. Not that that isn't equally horrific, but when you dig into that and how just truly evil it was, I just have this rule where I don't call people Nazi and I don't compare people to the Holocaust. And I've, I've brought this up before. Not that I'm encouraging you to, to go to DC anytime soon, but as you know, I used to live there. I lived there for a year and still have to visit now and then. I'm going to I'm gonna go back there and here just a couple weeks for Veterans Day. I have to do a Veterans Day thing, which I'm going to be announcing shortly back there. But if you, are, if you do ever go, I would recommend you bring your family. Bring your husband, bring your wife, bring your kids. And I would really recommend you do, don't waste the trip. Go see the sites. And one of the sites I think it's valuable for people to see is the Holocaust Museum. There's more than one Holocaust Museum in this world. The one in D.C. was done... Right. I, I, I mean, they whoever funded that spent a fortune on it because it is it is the most incredible display ever, and it is a somber thing. So that's just clarify about the comparing things to the Holocaust. Anyway, he goes on. To me, it seems a more compare. This is more comparable to the rise of Stalin. Just sub in the unvaccinated for the kulaks. Stalin allowed millions to starve, so on and so forth. Right, let me explain this: what kulaks are, because people might not know. When Stalin rose to power, Stalin started this industrial farming. Yeah, everybody, look, I'm glad you got a farm. Congratulations. All your farms belong to us now. Send me all your grain. I'll let you know how much of it you can have back. That just standard communism garbage. But it didn't work, of course. It never works. That's how that's how Mao starved 45 million of his people with these industrial farms. Let's just have everyone move to one big farm and then it'll work while we'll have all this food. It's just childishly stupid. Uh, but remember, the communist never blames himself. He always needs a scapegoat, the same way Joe Biden needs one right now. The economy's not working. It's going downhill. The vaccine. Uh, we're now looking at numbers from individual states. 40, 50, 60% of the states, uh, the hospitalizations for COVID are fully vaccinated people. I mean, it's time to have an honest conversation about this here. It's it may be effective, effective for a while, maybe not effective, but vaccinated people are going to the hospital with severe COVID symptoms and dying of them. Okay, so he didn't beat the virus. We have a supply chain shortage, Afghanistan, everything else. But the communist never takes an honest accounting of himself. He doesn't even know how to do it. It's not, even, it's not in his nature. He can't do it. The communist always finds a scapegoat, and the scapegoat is always, this is universal, a minority of the population. I'm not going to talk about skin color or religion, although that's been the case several times. This Black people or Jews or white people or Christians or Catholics. But it's always a minority because you want to always make sure if you're a communist tyrant, you have the majority of the people on your side. So they will, I mean, if not flat out help you out with it, they will at least kind of go along with it a little bit. They will at least go along with it. So you don't want to, if you're going to scapegoat somebody, if you're Joe Biden, you don't want to scapegoat somebody. You don't scapegoat 80% of the country. You hear 60, 70% of the adults in America are vaccinated. Just scapegoat the unvaccinated and blame them for everything. Stalin, what he's talking about, kulaks, what the guy was talking about, the kulaks were the upper middle class farmers. If you owned over a certain amount of acreage in the Soviet Union, you were considered a kulak. And Stalin's busy starving his whole country to death. He just blamed them. Ah, the stinking greedy kulaks, and then had them all shot or hauled off to gulags. Like, like, like I said, there was nothing new under the sun. But 
I'm glad you brought up that Kulak thing. When I tell you, historically, pandemic of the unvaccinated is the kind of language that gets people killed, that's because it's the kind of language that gets people killed. When you take, especially as a leader, when you're the leader of a nation, when you take a huge portion of your own country and say, them, it's their fault, they're the reason everything's going poorly, you're heading for disaster. Disaster. Does, I mean, this is dictator after dictator after dictator. It's dictator 101. You find a group of people you can blame for society's problems and you tell everybody every problem you have, it's their fault. It's their fault. Now, I want to go back to this because I promised I'd take your phone calls on. It looks like they're getting the calls fixed and all that. I want to go back to what I asked before, and it's not an easy question to ask because it's not an easy question to answer. I'm not asking what we were. I'm not asking about our founding. I'm not asking about you personally. I want you to listen to this cut again from the FDA. The FDA just voted 17 to 0 to approve a child vaccination. Kids are not at risk for this disease. And this is what they had to say about the vaccine and how safe it is for your children. But we're never going to learn about how safe the vaccine is unless we start giving it. Um, That's just the way it goes. And I asked the question, are we a good country? And I cringe when I ask it. Because you know I, I would die for this place. I would. Jeez, I almost did. Are we a good country? And I want you to think about that now. I know you're not in control of it. If you were, we would be. On a mass scale, we have, for the last two years, abused people. But let's, let's set aside your rights and your small business. You realize child suicide is up 50% in this country because of how we handled coronavirus. Now, maybe it's maybe it's just because I'm a dad, and now anything that involves that kind of stuff with kids just carves my heart out of my chest. And I probably shouldn't even bring it up because somebody hearing the sound of my voice right now undoubtedly has gone through it. But can you even imagine, can you even imagine that moment as a parent? Just because this was done on a mass industrial nice-sounding level doesn't make it sound any less evil to me. We now, one of our major institutions, the Food and Drug Administration, just voted universally to hand out a vaccine. We know, we already know, this is a fact, it's causing some heart inflammation, dangerous heart inflammation in some kids. We're passing it out for a disease that is no threat to the kids and... Not the red states, but certainly the blue ones are about to force your child to take it or they're not going to be allowed to get an education. They're not going to be allowed to show up to Little League. They're not going to be allowed to show up to Boy Scouts. They're going to bar your child from society if you don't go out and buy a vaccine that may be a potential danger for your child. So allow me to ask once again. Are we a good country? I know we want to be. I know if you were in charge, we would be. Are we? And and, and look, I realize it's not all bad. We point out all the bad out there. 
there is some great stuff out there. Uh, there, there look, even corporations, we dump on corporations all the time. There are great corporations out there. I realize there are lights. In the t- I talk about my pillow all the time. How many times have I talked to you about my pillow already? Uh, who who purposely destroys their own business? No, they didn't destroy it, but who personally carves their own business profits up like a Thanksgiving turkey because they believe in something that much? That's what my pillow did when they stood up to the, the Biden administration and all this craziness in the government. They got kicked out of all these big stores. Now, thankfully, you still buy products from them and they're still churning out great stuff, so they're still doing good, but that's awesome, man. That's awesome. And I should, by the way, I should note this. I've been telling you it's for a limited time. Apparently, it's for a <clears throat> very limited time now. If you go to mypillow.com, Giza Dream Sheets, they're amazing sheets everyone brags about. They're buy one, get one free with the promo code Jesse. Mypillow.com, promo code Jesse, Giza Dream Sheets, buy one, get one free. A very limited time. Hang on. Feeling a little stocky? Follow, like, and subscribe on social at Jesse Kelly DC. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. I don't know how you were dogging on Elton John earlier, Chris. No, 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 don't hold your hand up. Don't hold your hand up like you weren't dogging on Elton John. The entire country heard you dog on Elton John. Now, I understand as a dude, I can't go around singing Elton John. You know, that, that, that people are going to start asking some, <clears throat> some hard questions. I mean, people are going to start asking questions about how you eat your corn on the cob. You can't just be caught just singing Elton John at the top of your lungs. But, but, if you don't enjoy Rocket Man, Philadelphia Freedom, what? What? Oh, well, don't raise your hands up with the garbage. You, you know what? We're done with you, Chris. We're going to the phone calls. I asked a question. I want to know the answer. Are we a good country? And I just want to, I want to make clear to everybody here. When we talk about a place like uh, you know, Afghanistan is a great example, and we talk about some of the terrible, terrible parts of part of that culture. Remember, Afghanistan is a bunch of different cultures, but there are parts of that culture where uh, honor killings of women. You can see videos. I would not recommend you looking at them of, of them stoning women alive for taking off their headdress of the massive abuse of young boys in ways I'm not going to go into. And we look at that and we say to ourselves, that's evil, right? They're a bad, that's a bad place. They're wrong. That's bad. Have you seen any of the pictures of the books available in the Loudoun County library? Have you seen any of those pictures? Loudoun County, Virginia, I will not post them on any of my websites. You will not be able to find them linked anywhere. It's that revolting. I do a family show. I will not, I would not even descri- describe them to you. Just, just tell me, does a good country allow their children to hear and see that disgusting filth? I don't know. I don't know. Dee Dee and Indian Hills, go. Hi there. Um, I think this is a wonderful country. I don't agree with the idiots who are in office right now running this country. But um, 
We have one of the best constitutions in the world. Oh, no, I'm going to say we have the best constitution in the world. And um, I'm actually um, running for our House District 25 because I'm a patriot and I want to do everything I can here in Colorado to try and clean up this mess that the socialist Democrat leadership has made. And, you know, Jesse, I am coming across so many people. Never in my life did I ever think that we had a walkaway movement or that we would ever have one. But there are so many Democrats who are walking away from their party because they're saying, this is not my party. I'm not a socialist. I'm not a communist. I'm not a Marxist. I'm an American and I'm a patriot and I love my country and they're actually walking away. So, you know, I say, great, Democrat leadership, dig your hole deeper. Just show everybody. Dee, Dee, real quick, give out your website before we go. Yeah. Oh, it's D-D-E-D-E, Wagner, W-A-G-N-E-R, at, no, take out the at, for the number four, H as in house, B as in district, 25.com. That's enough of that. Look, she said she said Constitution. And I don't deny it. Constitution's great. Does it even matter anymore? Matters to me. Does it matter to the people in charge? What's it matter? Gene in Colorado. Are we a good country? Yeah, hey, Jesse. Uh, yes, we are, I believe. But I think we are headed towards a cliff, and if we don't win this next election, we are going to be in serious jeopardy. And the main reason I wanted to call is I'm a Trump supporter. I voted for Trump, but I think if he runs again, I think we're going to be screwed. I think we need to get somebody like Ron DeSantis to run without Trump and maybe bring on board a little sassafras like Candace Owens, if you know who she is. Mm-hmm. Um DeSantis has the same gumption as him, but has a little more class in his communication style and delivery system. And I know a lot of moderates who will never vote for Trump, period. Gene, let me ask you about that real quickly before I let you go here. Now, you're a Trump supporter, but you don't want to see him run again. Is that the reason? Is it because of the the moderates? Give me a reason. I've heard this before. I'm, I'm curious about your reason. Yes, it's because... People will not vote for him. We will not win okay. if he runs. Thank you, Gene. Appreciate it. I, I I was just curious. I've heard this before. I get different answers. I've heard this before. I I will tell you though. I had a conversation earlier today with my mom. Called my mom on the phone. Just check in. See how how she's doing, fellas. Call your mom. She wants to hear from you. Just check in, see how mom's doing real quick. Hey, mom, I'm not dead. Life's going well. It's I, did, I didn't get myself killed today, mom. Just wanted to give you a heads up. But she brought up something that I had brought up to you on the show a week or two ago. And it feels like there might be a shift towards something good right now in this country, doesn't there? Doesn't it feel like everybody might be waking up? I mean, Betsy Davos, I, I, I'm sure I'm saying her name wrong. I always say her name wrong. Betsy Davos, she had this to say about Randy Weingarten, the head of the National Teachers Union. And, man, it hit home of things might be changing. He's someone who did more to make the case for education freedom than anyone else over the last 18 months. It perhaps is a surprise suggestion, none other than Randy Weingarten. 
granted, it may be an unconventional choice, but I think my friend Randy may be the best advocate the school choice movement has had in a long time. Every time she's opened her mouth or shamelessly strong... Apparently it's Davos. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick with Davos. I actually like mine. Is it Davos, Chris? Is it what? Davos? That's a dumb way to say it. I'm not saying it that way at all. I'm going to, say, I'm going to call her Davos. Anyway, but back to what I was in all seriousness. If parents... All we need is the parents. If parents are getting awake and engaged and angry, and then they're going to translate that into political involvement, and more than political involvement, political involvement at a local level. Remember, the federal government may be lost completely, but even if it's not, we've got a mountain to climb there. If people are going to start realizing politics is local, and you should be taking back your school board and your city council and your sheriff's office and your DA. You take that stuff back first, then all the rest of it falls into place. When people realize that, and it seems like they might be, we might be on, we might be on the cusp of a change, of a change of direction. How about that? All right, Mark Meadows, Trump chief of staff. I'm going to ask him about what Gene just said and some other stuff next. Hang on. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, and if we're playing music that bad to introduce our next guest, that can only mean he declined to choose his own song, a mistake I am sure he will not be making again. Joining me now, (laughs) author of the new book, I would recommend the Chiefs Chief, former congressman, former Trump Chief of Staff, Mark Meadows. Look, Congressman, you're the one who didn't pick the song. That's not on me. I could have picked Bad to the Bone, and that's what I should have picked. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, uh, uh, I won't do it ever again. I should have been forewarned. (laughs) You should have been. You know what? That's probably on us at this point in time. All right, let me me ask you this right off the bat, because we just had – we've had a lot of talk on the show recently, just from the listeners – about Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis and what's their relationship and and what about a Trump DeSantis super ticket? And I say no to that. I say those are probably two alpha males who may not mix that well together, but you're the one who knows them. I don't. Tell me. Yeah, I know them both real well. Actually, I'm uh, in the the great state of Florida. I had a a meeting with uh, President Trump this afternoon and uh, and candidly, uh, you know, if, if the president decides to 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 run, which if I were a betting man, I would go all in on that. Uh, I I don't necessarily see a, a Trump DeSantis ticket. You know, he hasn't made a decision uh, yet. I know uh, Governor DeSantis is all about running for reelection. You know, I've talked to him about that. I've talked to both of them, uh, but candidly, uh, having those discussions about a running mate. I think that's more of a a dream ticket by a lot of people that are calling in because they see that Governor DeSantis is running the state of Florida in a, a great manner. But listen, it, it was Donald Trump who did it first and who actually led the way and said, you know, if you do what uh, you were elected to do, keep those campaign promises, it'll make a big difference. Mark, I, I- People have leveled this criticism at President Trump, and to be honest, as everyone knows, I was a fan, but I've leveled the same criticism several times on my show. The personnel decisions, uh, obviously yourself excluded, and there were I realized there were some gems in there, but I mean, 
Omarosa in the White House. Not getting rid of Dr. Fauci. Trump fans, not not haters, everyone knows his haters hate everything about him, but Trump fans, they bring that up a lot as, man, how can we trust him to do that again or to not do that again, I should say. What say you? Well, let me speak directly to that because I, I can speak from really uh, having a, a candid conversation with the president. I, I believe that you need to be quick to fire and slow to hire. And honestly, what happened was is that there were a whole lot of people early on, early on in the administration, uh, where you had a billionaire coming out of a real estate background, uh, believing some of the people that were his friends saying, hire this one, hire that one. Uh, I can tell you, we had a full list, uh, had worked with Johnny McEntee, and uh, we had a full list of not only the resignations that we were going to ask for on November the 4th, but certainly uh, reorganization. And President Trump said this to me at the end. He said, Mark, I wish we knew then what we know now. And it is, you know, key people or policy. And quite frankly, he was getting uh, beat up from some on his own team. So the criticism uh, is probably more from setting it up the wrong way. But you can't make that same mistake twice. And Donald Trump or whomever uh, hopefully won't. I'll be there to uh, hopefully give some advice to, to uh, our next Republican nominee, who I think it'll be Donald Trump. Speaking with former Trump chief of staff and Congressman Mark Meadows. Congressman, let me ask you this. Uh, uh, the Joe Biden administration. Now, I look at it. And what I see is intentional destruction. But you know the workings of Washington. Is it just stupidity? Is it just misguided? I mean, how could I get having getting one issue wrong? But to get every single thing wrong and double down constantly on everything that's not working, how am I, an American citizen, supposed to take that any other way as being intentional? It, it is intentional, Jesse. And, and uh, you know, I highlight that some in the chief's chief where we talk about this Afghanistan debacle, it was a deliberate decision that could have been avoided, was avoided under Donald Trump. And yet 13 Americans paid the ultimate price for not only doing it wrong, but having better advice and ignoring it. And here's what we see, whether it's at the border, inflation, the economy, you name it, they're getting all kinds of great advice. And what we have is somebody in the Oval Office right now under Joe Biden that just doesn't make a decision. And this is not a fine wine. It doesn't improve with time. And and we're seeing that each and every day. And sadly, we're paying for it Uh some of us at the pump, some of us at the grocery store, but many times we're paying for it with a really an economy that will not turn around quickly if they don't start following some different advice, you know, in the next week or so. Why did Donald Trump's foreign policy work so well? I, I, I've, I've brought it up a million times. It was probably my favorite part of his presidency. I still can't make sense of how, I mean, he was an outsider and yet seemed to just nail foreign policy decision after foreign policy decision. Why? He did. He did, Jesse. But there's two reasons for that. One is, is he came in. It was his weakest point. If everybody went with candidate Donald Trump, you know, they weren't saying, well, this is a guy that's going to have the foreign policy right. But he was willing to do the unconventional. And, and whether it was with China or Russia or Germany, he was willing 
to to stand on behalf of the American people. You know, he's the only guy, the only guy that got NATO to actually pay more money uh, after yeah. a president of both parties failed to do so. And in Afghanistan, uh, towards the end, we actually had more NATO troops on the ground than we did U.S. troops. Never in the history of our country has that happened. But he was willing to call a spade a shovel. And quite frankly, I was in the Oval many times when he told these leaders, he says, I, I can't do that. You know, that's not America first. And, uh, and it was regardless of the political outcome, he was willing to stand tall. His book is The Chief's Chief. He is Mark Meadows, obviously one of my favorites. Thank you so much, Congressman. I'd appreciate you coming on. It's great to be with you. Thanks. Take care, Jesse. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Good man right there. And I know McEntee, too. Um, yeah. Look, I, th- those are my questions. I have those same questions you have. Trump fan. If he's going to run again, he's going to win. Well, I should say I assume he's going to win. He's going to be the nominee. My question, my concern is the personnel decisions. I'm worried about it. I think it's fair to be worried about it. I'm not going to stop asking about it. I, it's just it's something that's on my mind. Because remember what we talked about earlier. The next president is going to have to go in and not hire a, a cabinet secretary here, maybe a promotion here. The next president, unless he wants to be shackled the way Trump was, is going to have to walk in like Genghis freaking Khan and carve through the federal government. That is not going to be popular at all. Now, allergies suck. You know I used to go through clear eyes or visine or whatever eye drops there were, nothing against those things. You know I used to go through them all the time. I would have to have a bottle at work, a bottle in my car, and a bottle at the house because my allergies would get so bad. You know I don't have any allergies anymore? Oh, wait, I take that back. If I'm away from home for two days, my allergies will start flaring back up. Why? What's so magical about your home, Jesse? I have an Eden Pure Thunderstorm in three different rooms of my house. I have it in my living room. I have it in the bedroom. We have it in the kitchen area because those are the three places I spend all of my time. It's not like other air purifiers. There's no filter you have to replace. It doesn't just cover up smells in the air. It actually cleans your air with special technology. They call it a thunderstorm because it works the way nature does after a thunderstorm. That's why your house will smell so amazing. And right now they're selling three packs and you can save $200 on them. You have to go to EdenPureDeals.com. Use the code JESSE and the number three. EdenPureDeals.com. Code JESSE3. Get a three pack of these things for under 200 bucks. Go now. Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. And all right, it is time. It is time for a story that it got brought up yesterday. I didn't have time to properly tell the story. So... Let's go ahead and relive it because here's the truth of the matter. You are listening to me. So you're probably a bad person who takes pleasure in my pain. I've discovered this. I've discovered this. If something terrible happens to me, it's something you love. So without further ado, 
Here's the hammock story I promised you yesterday. Because I, I saw this headline too. Man uses cobra as murder weapon to stage own death for $5 million in life insurance. Okay. Let's talk about cobras. Have you ever seen a cobra? Probably, you probably have in a zoo or something somewhere. Some sort of animal enclosure you've seen a cobra. I will tell you, they look a little different out in the wild. You see, in the Marine Corps, this is prior to Iraq and prior to Afghanistan and all that. And so I don't know if they still do these, but I think they still do. You have a base. If you're in the infantry, I can't speak for how it works for guys who weren't in the infantry, but if you're in the infantry, you have a base, an American base where you're assigned. Most of the time, that's Camp Lejeune in North Carolina or Camp Pendleton in San Diego. But, but there's another major one. And this is if you've made God really, really, really angry with you. If you have, he'll put you in 29 Palms, California. Sounds nice, doesn't it? I certainly thought it did. When I was given my assignment, I was in School of Infantry. It's the school you go to after boot camp. And they were handing out everyone's assignments, and I found out I was going to 29 Palms. Well, I mean, I grew up in Ohio and Montana. We were a little short on palm trees in those places. I thought, well, that sounds nice and tropical. I bet I bet there are chicks there who will bring us drinks and the little coconuts and stuff. Uh, but I should have known when all of our sadistic instructors were snickering as they gave us our base assignment. You see, 29 Palms, California, it's a base that is right in the middle of the Mojave Desert. It is gigantic landmass-wise. It is a terrible, terrible place. They sell T-shirts there that say 29 Palms, I'm going to forget the exact numbers, but I think it's 20 miles for or 20 miles from water, two miles from hell. It's it's a really not pleasant place. We would go do field ops out there for 120 degrees. Well, the military does do some things well, and one of those things they've learned over the years is they they understand you need to have some base of knowledge of different kinds of warfare because different environments present completely different challenges depending on where you are. There are certain things you have to take precautions for when you're in the desert. There are certain things you have to learn and figure out when you're in the mountains. They would send us to the mountains. We do mountain warfare training. And jungle. Now, we had a Vietnam veteran write in yesterday, and he was asking the difference between desert and jungle and which was worse. And I said, and I mean this, there is no comparison. Jungle is the worst place on the planet. They sent us over to Okinawa, Japan to do a six-month deployment. Again, this is prior to war. And while you're there, you bounce around to different locations to get different samplings of training here and training there. And no, after you train somewhere a few weeks or a month, you're not an expert in that environment. Not at all. It takes years and years and years to build up expertise. But you do have some base of knowledge, right? So so if I go train in the jungle for a month, and then I come back home and wham, uh, someone fired up another war in Vietnam. We're going back, boys. I'll, when I get there, I'll at least have some base of knowledge for how I'm doing this. Now, this is what happened to us in Thailand. We were in Okinawa. That's in Japan. 
And they picked up my unit. Well, they didn't pick us up. We had to go get on some crappy boat. We're, that's another story for another day. But we had to get on this boat where we almost died. Everyone vomited except me. It's a long story. But we take this horrible boat through this terrible storm. I think it was officially a tropical storm. And we take it all the way to Thailand. Thailand is hell. Is that fair? I, I would say if Thailand is hell, Thailand is a terrible place. And I mean terrible place. I've tried to explain this to people before. It is just a really depraved place. It was very odd for me. They still have all these, or at least when I was there, they had all these murals up to their king, almost like he's a god. A lot of the people live in terrible poverty there. The uh, abuse of women and kids on an industrial scale there, it is... It's, it's like something you'd see in the movies. All right, it's really bad. I'm not going to go into any more detail because this is a family show. Now, now, granted, we had fun there, and it was certainly interesting, and the beer was cheap. You can ride an elephant if you'd like, but it's, it's, it's not a place I would recommend to put on your vacation list. Setting that aside, we get to our base over there, and we start what's called Cobra Gold. I don't know if they still do it. I think they do. It's an extended training program for infantry Marines so they learn how to fight in the jungle. And you start learning right away. Right when you get to Thailand, the jungle is a little different. And all this is going to come into play with my story. And when I say different, I mean just the wildlife alone make everything miserable. Like right, right now, right now, you're probably, there's a good chance you're hearing the sound of my voice and you're indoors somewhere. You're probably indoors. You're in your car on the way home. You're at home uh, making making food for the fam, listening on a podcast. You're, you're probably inside, although I know people do listen outside when they're running or, or working outside or whatnot. But if you're inside or if you're in an environment, like I am right now, I'm inside a radio studio. Whenever you're not having bugs land on you and bite you, and sting you and leave itching things on you. Whenever you're not in that situation, you forget almost instantly how miserable that situation is. And mosquitoes in particular, flies are bad enough. I'll tell you the fly stories another day from Iraq, but this is Thailand. Mosquitoes in particular, because not only do they land on you, they leave, obviously, mosquito bites. I don't need to explain to you what a mosquito bite is. Well, we get to Thailand, and we have this really run-down base. Again, it's the Marine Corps, not the Air Force. It's not a very nice environment, but it's fine. It's the Marines. It's the way it's supposed to be. And part of this base where we are is they gave us cots, and I'm six foot eight. The cots are maybe 5'10", maybe 5'10". It's not like they're comfortable anyway. They're just off the ground, but they're short. And on top of the cots, they had this mosquito netting. It just kind of dropped down like a pyramid, like like you picked up a, a, a mountain made of mosquito netting and set it down over the cots. Well, I remember my very first night when we got there, getting my first introduction to what Thailand and the Thailand jungle was going to be like. You see, as we're getting ready to crash out, we're getting ready to rack out, you're keeping it quiet. You're getting ready to crawl into bed, but as you're taking off your clothes, you're sitting on your cot and you're taking off your clothes and you're just setting things on the floor and getting things laid out the way they're supposed to be. It's the Marine Corps. It ain't your college dorm room. Don't just chuck stuff on the floor. It's dark and yet you keep getting this right by your ear and you know they're mosquitoes 
And you know, any part of your body that isn't covered, you can't see right now, probably is getting attacked by mosquitoes. So you have to scramble and you have to get under those covers. Hang on, I'll finish in a second. Jesse Kelly show final hour of the Jesse Kelly show. I told you I had a hammock story today and don't worry. We're going to get back to, you know, I have one of the most revealing stories ever about how truly disgusting the American media is. And I mean, really, really bad. I, I, I'm going to get to that as soon as I'm done with the hammock story. So just hang with me for a second. Now, it's night number one in Thailand. For anyone who missed it, I'm in the Marine Corps. I get deployed to Okinawa for six months. They take us over to Thailand to do jungle warfare training. It's now night number one, and we're just at, like, our base in Thailand. We're not out in the field. We're at our base, which is admittedly not very fancy, but it's, it's, it's there. They give us cots to sleep on and mosquito netting over us, but I'm six foot eight. The cot is too short. The mosquito netting hugs the side of the cot. I crawl inside my cot. I rack out for the night. I wake up in the morning, and it looks like, what is the best way to describe my knee? My knee looks like a gigantic strawberry. You see, when I went to sleep that night, I accidentally, because I was too big for the cot, had shifted my knee so it touched the mosquito netting. Well, mosquito netting has a bunch of holes in it so you don't suffocate to death. The mosquitoes simply landed on the mosquito netting and spent all night feasting on my knee. I, 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 there's no way to count them. I would guess there were 100, 200 mosquito bites on my knee, but that was my first introduction to Thailand. Now, let's fast forward to get to the hammock part, part of the story. We go to all this training over there and shooting and, and all kinds of stuff. But one thing they're definitely training you on along the way over there is the various dangers of the jungle, not just dehydration and disease and things like that. They're training you on wild animals, cobras. We actually have to go through a ceremony over there with the Thai Marines where you sit there and you watch one of them fight a cobra and then he takes the cobra and he chops his head off. All this happens right in front of you. And then they take the cobra's blood and they squirt it in this disgusting Thai liquid or Thai liquor, some brutal alcohol, and they pass it around and everyone's supposed to drink the cobra cobra blood and liquor. It's really bad. It's really gross. You see what I'm doing right now? There's a bunch of moms that are banning their son from joining the Marine Corps right about this time. But anyway, anyway, they're teaching you about the wild animals, not just cobras, stick bugs, and spiders as big as my hands. And I got big hands. And it, I mean, all kinds of creepy stuff. Now, when we're getting ready to go for our final exercise, you get this a lot in the Marine Corps. This happened in boot camp, every other training cycle. They try to put together some big grand finale where you have to put together all the training you've learned and you know, go, go, go perform. So what better way to figure out, you know, how well your jungle training went then let's take the entire unit and let's send them into the jungle for days and days and days. I think this was four or five days and I may have that wrong. Someone's going to email me and correct me. I'm guessing on that. I want to say it was 40 or 50 miles over four or five days and you simply throw a pack on your back and your weapon 
and you go walking into the triple canopy jungle and you have people and you're with a machete, people are hacking their way through it and you're sleeping in the jungle, walking through the jungle, living in the jungle. Well, they had to give us hammocks because you don't sleep on the ground in the jungle. They don't want you to anyway, because you'll die. I mean, the, the, half the things in there are poisonous, so they don't want you sleeping on the ground. They gave us hammocks. Not only are you given a hammock, this is not a hammock like you have in your backyard, sipping on a lemonade somewhere, yelling at your spouse to bring you another. No, this is not some gigantic white mesh thing. This is a sleeve is the best way I can describe it. They're black, at least the ones I had were. It's a big black sleeve, and you don't lay on top of it because, again, you'll be eaten alive. You have to slip inside of it, right? No, no, don't make no Kamala jokes right now. Please, everybody, grow up. You have to slip inside of the hammock. Now, you remember what I just said about how I was too tall for the cot? Does that, does that, does that ring any bells? Let's fast forward to night number one in the jungle. They teach us a lot about tying knots and making sure things are good to go. So we spend the first day and we're hiking through the jungle. Don't worry, I'm going to get to this media being disgusting story in a second. We hike through the jungle and it's getting close to being time. We have to set up our, uh, I'll, I'll just call it camp. That's what everyone's going to understand that. We have to set up camp for the night. It's just an area where we're all going to sleep. Bivouac. But we're all going to sleep there. And in the jungle, one of the things you learn about triple canopy jungle is... Well, why they call it Triple Canopy Jungle. There seem to be a lot of different ceilings to it, and there's not a lot of light that comes in in the daytime. At nighttime, black. And I mean, it's midnight, and you're a kid, and you sneak into the closet of your room and close the door. That kind of black. People people overuse this phrase, but can't see your hand in front of your face black. That's how black it is, though. It's black. It's black and it's loud. It's not like the jungle was quiet during the day, but at night, again, all the bugs and frogs and everything else comes out. So it's really, really loud. Now, I don't mind sleeping in the loudness, but it does bring it home to you the first night you're there and you're getting your camp set up. There are a lot of living things around here. And I mean a lot of living things. Back to the hammock. Everyone scrambles. They find a couple trees that are separated far enough apart. And everyone's scrambling. You can tell everyone's moving with a sense of urgency to get their hammock put up. We've been well informed of the dangers of the jungle, of the creepy crawlers. We've seen several of them. Well, I mean centipedes. Uh, let me look. A foot at least. I'm doing this in my mind, foot-long centipedes, and I don't mean little thin things like the kinds you squash on your bathroom floor. I would say two inches in diameter, two or three inches in diameter, fat things. And if you grab them, and of course we would grab them, I mean with long instruments. Oh, Chris, oh, Chris asked if they bite. Oh, they'll, they'll sting the daylights out of you, buddy. Oh, yeah, yeah, big time, big time. Every, and these things are all over the ground. Cobras have already passed in front of us on our trail. We've seen live cobras, not in the zoo, in the wild. We're, 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 okay, this all all this stuff is out there. We've seen the spiders I was talking about. It's like we're in Indiana Jones. You see, you'll be, you'll be we'll be humping through the jungle, and we've seen these gigantic spider webs. Gosh, 
six feet in diameter, five feet in diameter, huge. And the spider is the size of my hand. Huge spiders just planted there in the middle, in colorful ones too. And you're like, oh, wow, that thing murders people. That thing eats small kids. So we've seen all this after day one. When I say we're moving with a sense of urgency to get the hammocks tied up and get off of that ground, we're moving with urgency. We've all been picking leeches off ourselves all day. We, we understand where we are. Well, I get first watch. The fire watch is what, what we called it in the Marine Corps. There's always, 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 no matter what, there's always somebody up. I mean, they even make you do it in peacetime. There is always somebody awake just so you get used to it. Nobody ever did. Oh, let's everyone go to sleep. No, 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 no. Someone up at all times. I got first watch, which sounds terrible, but it wasn't the end of the world because that meant most of my watch was still with at least a little bit of light that was left. It was fading quickly, but it gave me a little extra time. I'm on watch, but make sure my hammocks really improved and really, really solidly in here. And then finally, my watch is up. And as you can imagine, by now, it's that black we were just talking about. Jet black. No problem. You have to strip down at night when you're in the jungle. It's one of those things about being in the jungle. You must strip down to just your underwear because you have to get your clothes spread out in a place where they can at least attempt to air out. Nothing ever actually airs out there. Everything's wet and rotted all the time. Your skin eventually starts rotting. It's just awful. But you have to. You can't just sleep in your clothes. It's not an option. I know you want to. You can't. Plus, you're soaking wet with sweat and rain. It's terrible. So I get my clothes off, and you know you want to do, and you're doing that thing. It's exactly like you'd imagine. I have all my clothes off, really, except for my boots. I still have my socks and my boots on because the last thing that comes off the ground is going to be my feet. Boom! I pull my feet out of my boots, get my socks off, and I slip inside of the hammock. The hammock I have tied very, very, very solidly to the tree. I slip down to the hammock and all is fine for a moment. No big deal. I'm I'm a bit cramped though. You see, not only was the hammock too small, like if you just laid it out on the ground, the hammock is probably maybe six foot end to end. But bear in mind, this is not a flat bench. This is not a mattress. It's tied between trees, so it dips when you get down into it. So I'm not even taking full advantage of the maybe six feet. I'm in a dip. And that's when things went wrong. I'll explain it in a second. I've got an animal inside of me. This is Jesse Kelly. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. Jesse Kelly show. And yes, I'm going to get to this. They really are the enemy of the people. I, I swear they really are the enemy of the, uh, of the people. These, the, the media is. It is that bad. And, you know, before I'm going to get back to this hammock story here in just a second. I do want to play you this little clip, though. I love I love the way these people talk. Good job, Joe. Thanksgiving is now less than a month away, and it's shaping up to be the most expensive meal in the history of the holiday. No, you wouldn't believe it. Consumer groups say almost every ingredient Mm. in a traditional American Thanksgiving from the disposable aluminum roasting pan to the pumpkin pie will cost more. The supply chain crisis, trade policies, labor shortages, weather and inflation are all contributing to higher prices. Experts warn that the biggest expense this year will be the turkey. 
what can we do but laugh? I, I, and I don't mean to laugh. Because I understand what this means for so many people out there, but it's just as if, doesn't it seem like, this is why I'm telling a hammock story, which I'm going to get right back to now. Doesn't it seem like we're just getting waterboarded with bad news every day? Don't worry. Most expensive meal ever. (laughs) Oh, oh, good. All right. Back to my hammock story. In case you missed it, I'm not going to recap it for you. You can catch the whole thing from the beginning at iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. And you can email the show, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. I'm in Thailand. I'm in the jungle. I'm in a hammock. Remember, I'm not on a hammock. I'm in a hammock, and the hammock is too short because they don't make hammocks, especially the Marine Corps ones for six foot eight people. And the hammock is dipping. Now, it's not dipping badly. I tied it upright, but it's between two trees. It's dipping. And I don't know when the last time you tried to sleep in the fetal position but the last time I slept with my knees up by my ears was, oh, I don't know, right before I was born. People don't sleep in that way. And that was pretty much the position I was in after a long day in Thailand. That was probably the portion of the story where I was justifying what came next. Because I decided I needed to make an adjustment. I couldn't sleep like that all night. I mean, my knees aren't made of iron. I'm not Kamala Harris. I need to move. So I chose to roll over and try to stretch out my legs. I needed to get the blood flowing and get my legs stretched out. I stretched out my legs, and it turns out there was too much strain on the end of the hammock towards my feet. And remember, we're in the pitch black Thailand triple canopy jungle. Boom. I mean, it, it, it was loud. It sounded like a balloon popping. Boom. That end of the hammock blows out. And in the middle of this jungle where there are cobras and centipedes and spiders and stick bugs the size of your arm, and I'm all of a sudden in my underwear, in my skivvies, laying on the ground. My head is still up because it's still tied to the other part of the hammock, but my bare legs and feet and my butt are on the ground and it's black out. I scramble up. I am sadly, forgive me, Lord, probably not probably. I was saying some things that you don't want to say in front of your kids, as you can imagine at this point in time. And To make matters worse, I'm surrounded by a bunch of Marines, infantry Marines. Do you think a bunch of infantry Marines were responding with, oh, I'm sorry, Jesse, how can I help you? Or do you think they're responding the same way I would have responded with, oh, what an idiot. I hope you don't die, loser. Good luck out there. (laughs) You know how guys are. Well, that's what they were yelling at me, which only makes the anger worse, which is why they yell at you. So I think to myself, because I still don't know what's happening, all I know is I'm standing in probably a dangerous place right now. I'm barefooted in the jungle at night. I stand up and think, okay, clearly the rope broke or maybe a knot came untied. Not the end of the world. I'm I'm okay with knots, or at least I was. I probably couldn't tie one to save my life now, but I was good with ropes. I'll just simply get this rope retied up and get back in. I pick up the hammock, and what's the best way I can describe this? 
Picture a cannoli. You know what a cannoli is? Where they squirt the cream on the inside of the cannoli. I want you to picture the hammock being the outside of the cannoli and the cream being the rope that goes in between. That's how the hammock was set up. It wasn't tied on the ends. The rope flowed through like that. The rope did not break. It was that portion of the hammock that broke. It blew out. That's a long way of me saying there was no way to retie it with the rope because there was nothing to feed the rope through. It was blown out in the dark with no light. Yeah. I will end this story now. Just know that I spent the next... I mean, it felt like 19 hours, but it was probably 10 minutes tying some weird knot with the frayed end of my hammock so it would be something that I could then tie the rope around that would at least keep me off of the ground for the rest of the night. While I was standing in the jungle in the night, I'm not going to break down for you all of the things that I felt crawling over my feet Over my toes, at one point something was crawling up my calf, which I reached back and slapped away. I had no idea what it was. It was like that scene in Indiana Jones where the chick had to reach her hands through and all the bugs are crawling through. That's what it was like for my legs. All right. That's the last of my... That's the last. That is the last of my hammock ranting. I realized that went on a little bit long, but... Look, I had to relive it, so now you had to live it too. Now back to this Thanksgiving thing. I want you to do me a favor. I want you to play that one more time about the most expensive holiday. We're going to play that for you in just a second. But when I come back, I'm going to play you that. I'm also going to do a little flashback to July and how the Biden administration has, how they've discussed these people. When I say these people, I'm talking about people like you, people who are normal, who have to actually live in this world and pay for goods and services. Hang on a sec. It's the Jesse Kelly Show, and let us let us go. Uh, we're going to do a quick, quick rewind, and then I'm going to talk about this media story and why why they really are the enemy of the people. Let's let's just. Rewind really quickly here. MSNBC, they had this to say about Thanksgiving. And when you listen to this, I know it's just a media segment, but when you listen listen to this, maybe you're not in this situation. Give a care. Take a moment for all the people out there who are in deep, deep, deep trouble right now financially or barely getting by. And then you hear this. Thanksgiving is now less than a month away, and it's shaping up to be the most expensive meal in the history of the holiday. No, you wouldn't believe it. Consumer groups say almost every ingredient Mm. in a traditional American Thanksgiving from the disposable aluminum roasting pan to the pumpkin pie will cost more. The supply chain crisis, trade policies, labor shortages, weather and inflation are all contributing to higher prices. Experts warn that the biggest expense this year will be the turkey. Ouch. Ouch. And, and, and what really hit me when I was listening to that, think about how unbelievably tone deaf these people have been when it comes to higher prices. And again, remember, I'm not going to go over all three things like I do every single show, but one of them is 
completely disconnected from reality. They all grew up upper middle class, then off to universities, which are the biggest bubble, and then government. I mean, you can't even get fired. You think you'd be the biggest idiot in the world and not get fired from the government. And now they don't have any idea how real people live. So when they're asked, this was Jen Psaki back in July. The official White House account tweeted yesterday, the cost of a 4th of July cookout is down 16 cents from last year. 16 cents? There, there has been a reduction in some of the costs of key components of the 4th of July, a 4th of July barbecue. So that was it, what the tweet was noting. So does the White House think that 16 cents off a of barbecue has more of an impact on people's lives than gas being a dollar more this time? Uh, this I would say if you don't like hot dogs, you may not care of the reduction of costs. Yep. You don't have to like hot dogs. Yep. They're going to have to change that tone, and they're not able to because they don't get it either. They're still not having these meetings. All right, let's get to the enemy of the people stuff. I have avoided this story like the plague, um, not because it's not important. It, it is a very important story. It's a very revealing story. But because, as you know, I do do a show you can listen to with your kids. And I always will. And remember, that's not something I do because I'm a good person. I'm a terrible person. I do that because I have kids and I'm so sick of having to turn off everything because everything's filth now. And I'm very mindful of you listening with your children. I know I, I know you housewives listen when, you, when you're making dinner. You t- I get the emails. I know you guys listen with the kids in the car. I, I know you don't want to have to worry about me saying something crass. That I, I know that, and I always keep that in mind. So I've avoided the story of the underage girl being assaulted in Loudoun County. Now, just a quick recap for everybody who doesn't know. Loudoun County, that's that county in Virginia that's all over the news for all these school board things. The parents are showing up at every meeting They're screaming at these school boards, and yet the school board is going as full radical as you can imagine. And it's more than just COVID stuff, although they're really bad on that. I saw some pictures today of books that are available for the students in this school. Uh, Man, I don't even know how to say this. uh, There's a lot of, I saw one was called gender queer. I don't even know what that means, but there's a lot of that kind of stuff in there. And I'll just, I'll just say, again, I'm not going to elaborate on any of this. There are pictures. There are pictures in these books. They're so awful. We will not be linking to them at my website. I will not be linking to them on Twitter or anything else. You want them, you can go see them yourself. They're just, it's just revolting stuff. And so parents are freaking out. And that's bringing about a renewed focus on how, what, how is one county this screwed up? Well, there was this, apparently, from what we understand, 14-year-old girl. And this 14-year-old girl, uh, we don't know the circumstances, but... We do think we know this. She was brutally, brutally assaulted in the bathroom in school. And I'm not going to go into any more detail. It's just awful. Uh, It's awful beyond belief. You don't, if you have a woman in your life you care about, or maybe you are one, you just, the details of it are just, it's a lot. It's a lot. And I'm not going to say them on the air. Just know she was assaulted terribly in this bathroom. They're digging into this now because apparently 
the school board went after the father for trying to have this reported. Like, like the school, instead of digging into it, they turned and attacked the parents. It's just this really corrupt, awful situation. Now, that's the setup for this. This guy, his name is Justin Jovenel. He works for the Washington Post. He sent out something this morning essentially blaming the teenager, saying the teen testified she met a classmate for consensual blank in the girls' bathroom, but in May, and the encounter was, but in May, she reported it was assault. Essentially, the Washington Post, the second largest newspaper in the United States of America, decided to blast away at a 14, I believe she's now 15-year-old girl who was assaulted in ways that will haunt her the rest of her life in the bathroom. And a reporter sat down in the second biggest newspaper in the country and thought of ways he could destroy this girl in order to protect the school board of Loudoun County. I'm going to move away from this story, but I want everyone to understand something. These communists, when I say it's a religion and they're committed, this is the kind of stuff I mean. They will do anything to anyone in defense of their God. They will. They believe it all the way. And when I say things like America's communists are no different than communists have always been, I really, I, I want you to understand that's not just a saying I fell in love with. It's so true, and everyone has to understand it. Imagine being a grown man and having a platform as large as the Washington Post and sitting down to pencil out an article, and in this article, you choose to crucify and blame a 15-year-old girl who was assaulted in ways you can't imagine in school, and you do it only to protect a communist school board so they can continue to push communism on their students? You look at that, and you heard that story. You're probably punching the radio right now. If you are, I don't blame you. But I don't want anyone to lose focus on on the fact we are facing evil. That is not bad. That's not politically different. That's flat out evil. And the things you should do to make sure people like that don't control your country, it's a lot. We should be all the way committed. Not halfway committed. Not, well, I'd like to win as long as we can do it politely. No, 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 no. There's nothing you shouldn't do if it stops these people from taking power. That's disgusting. And here's the craziest part about it. Again, we've had this talk before. This Justin Juvenile with the Washington Post. He's going to go to sleep tonight. And he's going to think he's the good guy. Just wrap your minds around that. All right. We have headlines I didn't get to. And I'll get to a couple emails next. But... I'm tired of this culture war filtering over into businesses as well. I mean, it's not just Washington Post. It's business after business after business after business dumping on this country and wading into this filth. That's why I switched my family to Pure Talk. We don't have Verizon. 
We don't have AT&T. We don't have T-Mobile anymore. My company, Pure Talk, not only do I save, oh, I don't know, $800 a year right around there. The company, the CEO, he's a Vietnam veteran. You're never going to see this trash from Pure Talk like you do from other companies. And this is not some low-rent company. They have the ratings they have for a reason. They're on the same network as one of the big guys. So now, do me a favor. Stop supporting filth from your cell phone. Dial pound 250 and say Jesse Kelly because they have a 30-day risk-free guarantee. If it's not everything I say it is, go take advantage of the guarantee. Pound 250, say Jesse Kelly. You'll enjoy the switch. You're listening to the Oracle. You're going to love this one. It's a scream, baby. The Jesse Kelly Show. Jesse Kelly Show, final segment of the Jesse Kelly Show. And then I'm off to see, you know, my Astros. <laughs> Quit rolling your eyes, Chris. For those for those who weren't here at the very beginning of the show, I only moved to Houston like five or six years ago. Five or six years ago, something like that. And as soon as I moved here, the Astros were really good. I'd never watched an Astros game in my life, but they were winning all these playoff games. So the wife and I, we started taking the boys to whatever games we could afford. I mean, they were nosebleed seats and whatnot, but you're at the game, right? You're at the game. And I started doing this bit online where I was telling everybody I was this lifelong Astros fan. (laughs) And now I'm renewing the bit because I haven't been to an Astros game all year and I haven't watched a single game on TV. And now they're in the World Series. And I'm absolutely going to show up tonight. If I can find an Astros beer hat, I'm going to have an Astros beer hat on. I'm just going to be obnoxious. <laughs> Go Strohs, baby. Let's get to a couple emails before I get to the headlines I didn't get to. Oh, I like how this one started out. Dear ultra handsome Dr. Jesse, I currently live in New York and I'm only 12 years away from being able to retire with a full pension at age 46. Gosh, that's cool. However, oh, uh-oh. The writing is on the wall that my daughter will need to receive a COVID vaccine in order to attend kindergarten next year. This is simply not an option. The wife and I are taking your advice and we'll be doing a tactical retreat to a red state. We decided Texas would be a great place to relocate our kids. It is. Can you please recommend some neighborhoods in the Houston area that have good schools and won't be forcing COVID vaccines on kids? Thank you. Sit tight. Reinforcements are coming. Yes. Come on down. Come on down. You know I love New York. I love it so much. I want all the people in New York who currently think like me to come down and live around me or go to Florida or go live in Alabama or go live in Wyoming and whatnot. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, Jesse, but the ratings are huge in New York. You'll lose them. I don't care. Save America. Get out of there and come listen in Texas. I don't care. Uh, To answer your question, I'm going to give you the most mealy-mouthed answer in the world, but I'm not doing that because I don't want to give you a solid answer. It's just, it's true. I have lived in Texas in the Houston area. I have lived in the Dallas area. I have lived in San Antonio for a good period of time, and I have spent a bit of time in Austin. Now, those are really the four big cities in, in Texas. 
I I know you didn't ask me about Austin, so I'll just tell you. I would set aside Austin. They are so crazy communist over there. They've ruined that city, and it was the coolest city in the world for a long time. It was sweet. Shut up, Chris. It was a cool city. Do you not like? Do you people not enjoy live music? I don't understand why you wouldn't like Austin. There's live music and bars everywhere and stuff. You know what? Never mind, Chris. We're not going into that right now. But Dallas, San Antonio, Texas, or Dallas, San Antonio in Houston. All of them, all of them are blue cities, but the suburbs around them are not only red for the most part, but deep, 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 deep red, and they all follow this general pattern because so many people have been moving to Texas for so long now, the cities are swelling and they're swelling up big time. So what's this doing? Well, just picture, you know, a little circle and it's getting bigger and bigger, and bigger. You're getting that urban sprawl. What I'm trying to say is this. If you get a suburb that's right attached to the city, right next to it. See, I do my own sound effects. That was me clapping my hands together. Shut up, Chris. See that? If it's touching the city, it's going to be a bigger suburb. It'll still be red. But it'll be bigger and maybe not as red. As you continue to move slightly away from the city, you're going to get even redder but smaller. Like like uh, Houston, uh, the, Houston has the woodlands. I know everyone in the country is listening right now. This makes no sense. But just north of Houston, there's a, quote, suburb called the woodlands, except it's gigantic. And there are skyscrapers up there in every restaurant you can imagine. And the Woodlands is still going to be a red area, but it's getting bluer by the day because it's get it's catching all that Houston sprawl. That's a long way of me saying if I was moving a family here, don't worry, your your kids are not going to have mask mandates and vaccine or not, you're not going to have vaccine mandates here. You're not. But if I was moving to Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, anywhere, I would probably pick. 20 or 30 minutes outside of downtown instead of 15 minutes outside downtown. Chris said longer. I get that. A lot of people want to live longer, but I was more saying that because he may not have an option. Guy may be coming down here to be a cop or firefighter, but if you stick about 20, 30 minutes from downtown, pick one of those verbs in any of those cities, this applies. You're going to find yourself surrounded by people who think just like you think. All right, it's time. Let's go. And now, here's a headline. By, go, you know the, you know the thing. Headlines we didn't get to. A woman stuck on a thirty-one hundred dollar supper after a blind date refuses to pay for the family of twenty-three she brought. There's a lot to unpack here, according to the report from the New York Post. Zhang. A woman from the Zhejiang province of China. Look, I don't. I only speak American. All right. Her elaborate plan was to apparently test how generous her black date, her her blind date was, and she shows up, and she arrives with a family of twenty three. He agreed to pay for the two dates, but everything changed. When she brought nearly 30 additional people, he dated her once before, she shows up again with 23 people. Fellas, hear me out. You know I tend to be a little old-fashioned when it comes to this stuff. I understand it's supposed to be a new day and all that. I firmly believe the man pays. That's just the way it is. Ladies, throw away those stupid, disgusting ballet flats. They look terrible even though no one will tell you. Men, you pay for the date. 
Not just the first time either. Every time you pay for the date. And I realize dudes don't have a lot of money, especially when you're young. Who has a lot of money when you're young? Dude, if you can't find a woman that can enjoy a meal at Waffle House, brother, you got the wrong woman. She got to understand it ain't steak all day long, right? But the dude pays for the date. However, we have managed to find the exception to my pay for the date rule. If she shows up with her 23 relatives, buddy, you sit down and you order the most expensive meal on the planet. And then about halfway through that date, oh man, my stomach's bugging me. I'm going to hit the head. I'll be right back. And you just Irish goodbye, that lady. (laughs) All right. We'll do it again tomorrow. That's all.